We've been going through and uh, just preaching through these missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, and uh, it's important that we do that. Uh, the commission of the Lord, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, was a commission that was given to those early disciples, and Paul then steps out in obedience. They're beginning in, in chapter 13 of uh, the book of Acts. And uh, the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, starting there in verse 36 of chapter 15, and that's where we, we are. We're in, in the middle of this second missionary journey now. Uh, you know, Paul traveled over 10,000 miles to obey the commission of the Lord. Amen. By land and sea, 10,000 miles to get the gospel to the, to the entire known world at that time. He, had a, he just had a compulsion. He had a drive, a determination to get the gospel to all of those areas. Not only was he called to do it, but the Lord had already made a way for him to do it. And was directing him as uh, we talked about a couple of services back that uh, the Holy Ghost directed him to go to Macedonia. And that's pretty much the entire missionary journey, second missionary journey as it expanded into Europe and to in areas that uh, the gospel had never been preached before. You know, the Romans had built a, uh, a road system to advance the Roman Empire. But God knew that uh, the gospel was going to need some roads to travel as well. And so the whole Roman system, road system, that they used to expand the Roman Empire, God used those roads to expand the gospel to the entire known world. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's read here in chapter 17 and verse number 16. Acts 17 and verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be setter forth, a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We should know, therefore, that what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. It sounds interesting, doesn't it? Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. The word literally means you're too religious. How many knows you can be religious and not be a Christian? Yeah. You're too superstitious, he said. You're too religious. For as I passed by, beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, 
Him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood of nations of men for men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. And I'll stop reading right there. You know, whenever you step out to do something for God, whatever that that is, that step of obedience, whenever you move out into Satan's territory, you can expect that he is going to oppose you. Just expect it. If you're wanting to do something for God, if you're wanting to be in obedience to the voice of the Lord, you're going to have to expect that there's going to be opposition. But at the same time, I just want to encourage you that whenever you invade the enemy's territory, there's also going to be victory. And God is also going to move and he's going to accomplish the things that he said that he would do. The church will advance, the kingdom will advance when we step out in obedience. And that's the experience of the Apostle Paul. First he goes in Macedonia, he goes to Philippi, and there he meets with all kinds of opposition, even winds up in jail. But the Lord saves Lydia and her household. The Lord saves the Philippian jailer and his household, and maybe a few others, because the rest that were in the prison, they heard him singing and praying at the midnight hour, and so no doubt some of them were affected too. So just a few people and a few days of obedience, and God established a church in Philippi. Praise God. Now that church became a strong church. It became, according to the book of Philippians, it became a strong, joy-filled church and a generous church that supported the ministry of Paul and his companions. And God used the little small effort, even though there was all of this opposition, God used that small effort to advance the church. Amen. Then they move on to Thessalonica. And there again, in just about three weeks time, it says that he, he went into the, to the synagogue three Sabbath days and preached the gospel there. So he's there for only three weeks. I, I just want to encourage you to know that God can use the smallest effort and he can do mighty things even with uh, uh, the smallest uh, effort that you might put forth, God can do some wonderful and mighty things. And the church at Thessalonica was established in just three weeks. He faced the opposition, and of course they rose up against him and, and uh, run him out of town. And so in the next place was Berea. In Berea, they were more open and receptive. They compared what he said with the scripture. And the Bible says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they compared what he was saying and what he was preaching to the scriptures, whether those things were so. So again, 
God's work was being done in Berea. And then those from Thessalonica that opposed him, uh, Paul and his companions, they hear that he's having some success in Berea. They leave, or in, uh, yeah, in Berea, and so they leave Thessalonica and come to cause trouble down in Berea and run him out of town there. As a matter of fact, they had to sneak him out in the middle of the night. And they took him by ship to a place called Athens. That's where we take up today in the, the reading here. They took him to a place called Athens. And there in Athens, he's waiting for his companions to join him. And, but while he's waiting on them, in, the, in the, the time that he is waiting there in Athens, he's not going to just sit idly by. He starts to look around. He starts to take notice of the city and all that's happening there. Athens is really the center of the whole Greek world at that time. It was famous for its uh, universities and its education and its philosophers like Socrates and Plato and various other uh, uh, philosophers. Uh, it, was, uh, it was the center of art and education and economics and architecture. And this was a very impressive place. Athens was a place that was filled with all kinds of of beautiful buildings and great architecture and no doubt uh, uh, someone that was coming to, to, to Athens would could spend a lot of time looking at all the sights that there were to see there but that's not what affected Paul. When he looked around the Bible says he was stirred his spirit was stirred in him when he saw that the city was given to idolatry. Something rose up in him, something stirred him when he saw even though that even with all of their education and all of their accomplishments and their great buildings and all of their ability and knowledge, and they, uh, uh, it, it wasn't enough to impress the Apostle Paul. He was stirred in his spirit because of the spiritual condition that they were in. Well, I was thinking and meditating on these passages of Scripture. been a lot of times over the years that I've been in church services. I've been in fellowship with different brothers and sisters. And just even the conversation or the preaching or the ministry, it stirred something in me. It stirred me up. It stirred my heart. It, it motivated me to move, to do something, to move forward to accomplish. And so the question that I have for you today is this, what stirs your heart? What stirs your heart? What are the things that stir you up and cause you to be motivated to move, to change, to, to, uh, to do something more, uh, to kind of step out of your sleepiness and your you know, lack of involvement and stirs you and motivates you to movement, to action. I believe that the Apostle Paul, he saw something that was going on in that city, even though they had a lot of wonderful things going for them and it made a lot of accomplishments and were known all over the world and their influence was felt all over the world. The Apostle Paul saw something there and as a result of that, it motivated him. It stirred him. He was moved within his spirit when he saw the spiritual condition that they were in. 
They were, the, the whole city was filled with idolatry. Some say that there could have been as many as 30,000 idols in the city of Athens. They had a God for everything. They had a God for the sea. They had a God for the rivers. They had a God for the sun. They had a God for their animals. You name it. They had a God for, for everything. And uh, their, their hearts were filled with idolatry. 30,000 gods. Do you understand that, that we rub shoulders with people every day of our lives? You in your jobs, in business, out in the community, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with people all the time, but do you ever really see the needs of people? Do you really see the condition that they are in? I know that you can even have friends, people that you associate with, uh, that, uh, uh, that don't, they don't know the Lord, but has, has it ever stirred you in your spirit when you see the spiritual condition that people are in? I tell you, we should look around at London, Kentucky and see, even though there's a lot of churches and a lot of religious people in our community, but we ought to take a look around and realize there's a lot of people in need in London, Kentucky and in Southeast Kentucky. There's a lot of people and we shouldn't just pass by unmoved, untouched. It should stir us in our spirit. We should be stirred and motivated to do something about it, to move forward, uh, to take action, to do what we can do to reach out to people that are in need. And so all around us, there's emptiness and there's a, there's a spiritual need, a spiritual void. And uh, do you just pass by and never even consider the fact that that person has an eternal soul? that that person is going to be in heaven or hell for all of eternity and that God has brought you into contact with them for a purpose and a reason and, and that uh, uh, you need to allow the Lord to stir your hearts about the needs of people that are around us. Amen. Jesus, the Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. It ought to stir your heart to know that in the United States of America, in the last 20 years, there are five times as many people dying of drug overdose than they were in the year 2000. In the last 20 years, things have declined and people are going out into eternity. Suicide is out of control. You read about it almost every day. Many prominent people, uh, they're taking uh, their lives. It's out of control. Every 11 minutes in the United States of America, somebody takes their life. Does it bother you? Does it disturb you? Are you stirred by the fact that people are dying and going to hell without Jesus? And, and do you ever allow the Spirit of God to stir you to the realization that you could do something about that. You could be that person, that voice, that word, that, that word of encouragement to help them to see that they need the Lord. Let me tell you, desperation is everywhere. I believe that the whole city of Athens was filled with idolatry because they were religious and they were desperate. You know, every civilization, you can even go to the most remote tribes uh, in the world, and they have some form of religion. 
some form of worship, as pagan and as strange as it might be, it's because God has put in their hearts, in the hearts of every man, he's put eternity in their hearts and a recognition of how much that they need God. But they're not going to find God unless somebody gets stirred about it. Unless someone lets God deal with them and burden their hearts for the lost people of our community and of the world that is in such desperate need. Amen. What stirs you? What stirs your heart? What motivates you to move, to do something, to be used of the Lord, to be a vessel, to reach somebody in their need? I've told this a lot, but I was just a 15-year-old kid raised in a good church and in a good home. And my world was so small that the, the, the public school that I went to was the next block over. The church that I went to was a block and a half away. I could walk to school. I could walk to church. Most of my family and relatives were, were right, right there in that general area. I lived in a pretty small world. I really did. When I was 15 years old, our pastor announced, well, we're, gonna, we're not going to go to youth camp this year. Instead, we're going to go to the Navajo Indian Reservation out in New Mexico. And I signed up to go just because it sounded like something fun to do, just like a lot of kids would do. And I went on that trip, and my world changed. I gained a whole new worldview. I saw the world that... I didn't live in. I saw poverty. I saw people who didn't know God. They lived in a way that I didn't know anything about. They were far removed from God. And they needed to know about Jesus Christ. And there was a stirring in my heart. Even as a 15-year-old kid, there was a stirring in my heart. And I remember coming home and talking to my mom about what I experienced and and I was, I was really broken by it. It so affected me, and I, I never got over it. I still, to this day, remember the impact and, and the many trips to different mission fields that I've taken over the years. Are, it all started back there at a time when God increased my vision and stirred my heart to see the fact that there were people around the world that needed Jesus. Amen. That needed the Lord. What is it that stirs your heart? I just pray that today that, uh, that you would allow the Lord to stir your heart to see that there are many, many people that are desperately in need all around this world. The fact that there is a city filled with idolatry tells me that there was a lot of searching people there. A lot of searching people. They were looking for something. They thought their religious practice and that their idols could satisfy that, but Paul said, wait a minute, I saw one. I saw a God that you've got here because you call him the God, the unknown God. And so that God that you don't know about, that's the God I know. And I'm going to tell you about the one that I know. He's the one that you don't know. And you just made another idol in case you missed out on one. And here's the one you missed out on. His name is Jesus. And he preached resurrection power to them. Oh, some of them said, oh, what is this babbler talking about? This is crazy. We've never heard anything like this ever before. Um, and most of them uh, turned away from what he had to say and rejected what he had to say. But notice here in verse 32, it says, When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, 
we'll hear thee again of this matter, or later. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Praise God. In the middle of that city, uh, filled with idolatry, there were some hungry hearts that all they needed is to hear the truth. And all it took is a preacher of the gospel, a man that got stirred about the needs of a city that was steeped in idolatry. And he preached Jesus to them and some of them claved to him. Some of them believed upon the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I just tell you that there's gonna be those, we all run into people from time to time, they could care less about church or about the gospel, about the things of God. I understand that. And uh, I've knocked on enough doors to know that there's a lot of people that act like they're not interested. But every once in a while, you'll come across someone that'll cleave to you. Every once in a while, you'll come across someone that'll say, and it's reaching out in faith, and they'll believe what you're saying, and they'll respond to the voice of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What stirs your heart? What is it that stirs you today? Are you stirred by the needs of people? Are you stirred about the condition of our world, our community? Are you stirred about the lostness uh, that you, we see all around us? Let the Lord put his hand upon your heart today and stir you to the great needs that are all around us. Amen. Another place in the scripture where I saw that God was stirring the hearts of people is in the book of Exodus chapter 35. Moses stands up after his encounter with the Lord on, on uh, Mount Sinai and uh, all the, the nation had been turned toward idols and false worship. But Moses called them all together and called them back to, to, to worship the true and the living God. He commanded them to honor the Sabbath and, and they told them, bring gifts, bring gifts so that the temple can be built. The house of God can be uh, restored. And so bring gifts. And when you read Exodus 35, it lists all the different things that they're bringing to the house of the Lord. And it says that they came, verse 21, they came and everyone whose heart was stirred up in him and everyone whose spirit made him willing. And they brought the Lord's offerings to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for his service and for his holy garments. Amen. I do believe that we need to be stirred about the loss, but we also need to be stirred about the ministry of the local church. We need to stir it up to, be, to realize that God has chosen the church to be the vehicle to carry the gospel. And if the church is not strong, if the church is not experiencing the blessing of the Lord and the anointing of the Lord, and the people of God are not uh, pulling together, united in a common cause, then it's not gonna be what God wants us to do. It's not gonna be what, what God wants us to be and we're not gonna accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Amen. God, give us a renewed zeal for the house of God. Amen. Amen. A renewed zeal for the things of God. Isaiah 69 is, is a, a, a verse that talks about the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. It's consumed me. 
is really what it's talking about. The, that verse from Isaiah or from Psalm 69 is quoted in John chapter 2 verse 17 after Jesus has uh, run all the merchandisers out of the temple. And the disciples then they remembered that verse from the book of Psalms. It says in John 2 17 his disciples remembered that it was written the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. You're consumed by it. Amen. I just believe that God can stir our hearts just like he did in Exodus 35. That they responded and they brought gifts and they, they did it to see the, the, the house of God established. To see the house of God be what it would need it to be to glorify and honor uh, the Lord. What stirs you? Do you get stirred up about the church? Amen. Amen. It stirs me if I see folks, you know, not coming, you know, missing the house of God, not being here uh, when uh, God wants to work and move mightily. How many times have I experienced this? The Spirit of God moved into service and then I would look over the audience and realize, oh, if they would only been here. That was just for them. That word was just for them. That moving of the Spirit, that altar service was just what they needed, but something tripped them up and kept them out of the house of God. Amen. What stirs your heart? I get stirred by the house of God. I believe in it. I believe in the local church. I don't believe in treating it carelessly. I don't, I don't believe that, that it's something uh, that uh, we can just be kind of careless or haphazard about. It's important. It's essential. And God is using the local church um, to bring hope to the world, and that's the vehicle that he's chosen to use. And so get stirred about the house of the Lord like they did here in Exodus 35. They start bringing all their valuables and their goods. They responded to the, to the command of Moses, let's build the house of God, let's establish the Sabbath day. And they start bringing all of their uh, uh, provisions and all the things that they had uh, to, to see the house of God. Uh, established once again. They brought everything. Their hearts were stirred and their spirits were made willing. Praise God. Amen. What stirs your heart this morning? What is it that stirs your heart? Or maybe I should ask, how long has it been since your heart has been stirred? How long has it been since you sensed the Lord dealing with you and speaking to you and and motivating you to step out and to obey the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you, God can stir the hearts of people. Yes. My prayer is, Lord, stir your church. Stir the people of God and do a mighty work. Here's an interesting thing, too. I found this passage of Scripture in Ezra chapter 1 and verse number 1. Cyrus was the king of Persia. He was the most powerful leader in the world. He was not a Christian, he was a pagan, but he took over, he literally conquered uh, 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 Babylon and all the known world at that time. But the Bible says in Ezra, chapter one and verse one, in the very beginning, the first year of his reign, that the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, that the word spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Isn't that interesting? That the Lord could get 
over the walls and into the, into the palace where the most powerful man in the world was and stir his heart up and cause him to give a commandment. And the command was this. I want to see the city of Jerusalem restored and the temple rebuilt. It's incredible that God would stir up this pagan king to do that, but God can do that. Could I just encourage you today to know that there's no limitation to the power of God. There's no limitation to what God can do. He can get into, the, he can get into Washington, D.C., in the halls of Congress, into the White House, and he can stir the hearts of our leaders up in our nation. Amen. He can get into the state house and the governor's uh, mansion. He can get into our local government and, and he can move and he can stir up the hearts of people. Cyrus was the most powerful man in the world at that time. He wasn't a follower of the true and the living God, but God stirred up his heart and he made a way for the city to be rebuilt and for the temple to be rebuilt. Praise God. Oh, how we need a stirring. We need a stirring that goes all the way to the top. Amen. We need a stirring. It starts in your heart. It starts in the local church. It starts in our community. And then it can spread and reach out all across our state and even into the halls of government in D.C. Amen. God can stir the hearts of people. Amen. Praise the Lord. He can stir up the hearts of people right here in this service this morning, I believe that God can deal with the hearts of people and no matter what your needs are or how far removed you are from the things of God or the voice of the Lord, you can be stirred by the voice of the Lord, by the moving of the Spirit of God. You know, you just can't argue with that. You, you can't argue with the moving of the Spirit of God. You can't explain it. All you know is that God moves where he wants to move and when he wants to move. And uh, he can move upon the hearts of people no matter who that they might be. The most hard-hearted, most resistant person, God can deal with them, God can speak to them, God can bring them to that place. So Athens was a city filled with idolatry, far from God, not much of a genuine uh, heart for God in Athens. And that stirred up Paul's heart. Amen. Instead of being a sightseer, instead of being on tour in Athens, he just took a look around and his heart was stirred within him when he saw the spiritual condition that they were in and God moved him. What stirs your heart? Will you allow the Lord to talk to you, to deal with you, to stir your heart? Here this morning, I pray that you will. I pray that you will allow the voice of the Spirit of God to talk to you, to deal with you. And if you're unsaved in this service or a backslider in this service, or maybe you're, you know you're just not following the plan of God, the will of God for your life, you've gotten off course, I just pray, Lord, stir the hearts of your people those that have served the Lord for many years, Lord, and become kind of complacent and indifferent to the things of God, stir us up once again, Lord. Lord, stir our young people. Lord, stir our mothers and dads. Stir the hearts of your people. Stir the church once again, Lord. 
May we see the need of this last day. Amen. And recognize that God can move. God can move when we respond to the voice of the Lord. Can we stand together this morning? We're just going to pray and ask the Lord. God, would you deal with the hearts of people? Lord, would you deal with those that are hard-hearted and unresponsive? Those that are cold and indifferent toward the things of God. Oh, Lord, that there would be a stirring in this place this morning. And Lord, that backsliders would find, Lord, that you are dealing with them and that you are drawing them, Lord, to you. Praise God. Lord, help us, Lord, in this place to be stirred once again. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of knowing you, Lord, and from walking with you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Stir the hearts of your people, Lord. Everyone that's in this service today, may we be stirred, Lord, to see, God, that you've got a purpose and a plan. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord.